0: Want to know the secret to healthcare disruption? It's you. It's you. Are you ready to join hosts Jerry Durham and Andrew Rothschild in breaking down the healthcare status quo and creating a customer-focused experience? It starts with you. Time to break it. Let's go.
1: Welcome back to the Healthcare Disruption podcast. I'm Jerry Durham, and uh, again, I'm here with my trusty sidekick, Andrew Rothschild. Welcome back, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be back. Good. Um, you know, this is uh, these are so much fun, and again, it's great to have Andrew back because we did have some, we've had sessions here or there that Andrew um, hasn't been in on, and <clears throat> as I mentioned in the past, or maybe. I'm looking forward to him doing a couple interviews with people he has relationships with, or wants to build relationships with, and he'll be doing those interviews. So um, it'll be good. And it's, it's been great having someone else on the podcast. I know I call him my trusty sidekick. I might sound a little demeaning to some, but, you can get over it. I can't come up with a better term. And, you know, there was Robin to Batman. We all know, very important. Tonto to the long ranger, very important. You know, all those people played a huge role. They didn't get to be front and center, but without them, there would have been no front and center. And to that point, you know, I, I like to, I, I'm not sure if people know the story, but this healthcare disruption podcast probably would not be occurring. Uh, if not for Andrew. Um, and, and, Andrew shares the story, but really I, you know, I was running the, the other podcast. It was inconsistent, not quite sure what direction to go. And then I ran into Andrew at uh, the conference in Chicago or the talk in Chicago. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah. It was the one that you did with uh, Jeff Moore earlier, th- earlier this year. Yeah. And you'd come to me and clarify any of this. You'd come to me saying, Hey, I've got some ideas about your podcast. Would you like to hear them? Which I love the fact that, think about the way we approach things. He was like, do you want to hear him? And I could have said no. And he would have said, cool. And I said, yeah, always wanted to hear. And he, he came with great ideas and some great thoughts. And I was like, screw this there's absolutely no reason not to do this with Andrew and um, personally I think it's panned out even better than we both imagined Um, I tend to talk a little higher level at times or most of the time and don't necessarily know how to bring stuff back into the clinic and Andrew and his periscope idea 100% his idea uh, has really done a great job on getting things back to the clinic whether he's doing it on the way to the clinic in the clinic or after a clinic day Um, I think it's been really good for people to watch that and go, oh, so that's the crazy shit Jerry talks about. That's how I can use it day to day. Because let's face it, a lot of times people go, well, how, how can I use this day to day? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. We just need to start doing it. So figure it out. So Andrew's been a great addition to do that. So um, so thank you to Andrew for lighting the fire and getting this thing going again. Well, thank you, Jerry. And thank you for kind of,
0: you know, being open to listen to some suggestions and then also, or ideas and then uh, extending the invitation to have me uh, involved in the process and that was never my intent it was to you know to be a part it was just more hey I had some ideas based on what I know about you and our interactions on social media and then the two interactions we've had personally uh, when I've attended your your courses and I, I just had an idea that this could be a lot better in a way than, than it was it, had, it could be a better expression of your your personality and what you have to say and then the fact that you asked me to be involved that was I was uh, you
1: know truly honored by that and so I've of course, I was going to jump at that opportunity. Yeah, that that's a great point you just made. And I need to clarify. Andrew did not come with me with the idea of let me be on your podcast. Andrew came on, gave me all these ideas and said, you should do these things. And all of them were dead on. And I said, well, okay, those all sound great. W- why don't you just come on with me then? Because that was the only response um, I could have at that point. So, yeah, he did not come. He did not none of his ideas were to bring him on but at the end of it all, I was like wow with all those ideas and thoughts on that we'd probably be better together than uh, than not so so that is that's great so thank you Andrew absolutely so today we're going to uh, take a deeper dive into the customer life cycle and we are you know I don't know how many episodes we're into now but you know we've we've done three or four past episodes on the customer life cycle. So what I'm going to recommend is if this is your first time ever hearing the word customer lifecycle and you have not heard the other podcast is to hit the stop button to go back through the show notes and find the three or four episodes that have to do with the customer lifecycle and listen to them in order. And the reason I say that is because you need context and context, if content is the key and the stuff we're going to talk about is the content, then you have to to um, have the context which is the kingdom which is the overarching picture of these steps because we're going to go into small minute parts of this so go back listen to the customer life cycle then come back um the other ones are short some of them are 15 20 30 minutes long so it won't take you long to catch up So with that said, if you're familiar with the customer lifecycle so far, today we're going to dive into, we're just going through that progression. We're going to dive into the welcome call of the customer lifecycle, and we're going to dive into the customer arrival. And my customer arrival is broken into two sections. Three quarters of it is what occurs with the front office, and then a quarter of it is the physical therapist actually meeting and greeting that new customer new patient in the waiting area so we're going to save the physical therapist part because the next three steps are for the physical therapist and we're just going to stick with the uh, what occurs with the office coordinators and in the office Um, so we'll just address those two today so Andrew what are your thoughts you have questions on it uh, where I should head with this yeah, and I, and I like the the title of this
0: step being the welcome call, because uh, we had the you know the step before this was the golden moment, which is which is the customer and potential patient's first contact with your company or brand uh, or your staff or yourself even, and then you have what's the welcome call, which is a lot different than what is we see traditionally in healthcare, which is the reminder call, right? And so I really like how you had that as a different type of approach. And so I just want to find out a little more about it, kind of how that came about and, and how you've, how you've employed it uh, and what sort of the who's in charge of doing it. And what are the things that are highlighted within that, that welcome
1: call? So um, again, for some context, <clears throat> someone is in charge of every step. So once you identify your steps in your customer experience, of which is my customer life cycle then you have to figure out who's in charge doesn't mean other people aren't involved but someone has to be in charge and for this step my office coordinators are in charge and as I have three offices so the office coordinator in each office is in charge of that office's welcome call Okay. and there is a script and I'm just going to kind of highlight the script and I'm happy to share that script with you if you want to reach out to me But really, the intent of this, if you think about it, an appointment reminder is just that. And then you step back and you say, who... And by the way, none of this came about until I started to create this customer lifecycle and look at where this step fit in, this appointment reminder. Where does it fit? And we stepped back and took a, again, a 30,000 foot view and went, who is the appointment reminder a benefit for? And the appointment reminder is a benefit for the business and solely the business. The way it's set up, the, the way it's presented, the way the calls made is all about making sure people arrive for their appointment so that it's good for the business. You know, hi, this is Jerry Durham from so-and-so Physical Therapy. uh, Looking for Mr. Smith. I I don't even figure I fucking got the right guy, by the way. Uh, And I'm looking for Mr. Smith um, to remind him that he has an 8.30 appointment tomorrow at our, you know, whatever location. Um, Don't forget to arrive early. We have paperwork for you. And if you need to cancel, call us back at this number. Thank you. Click. Nothing says I love you more than that phone call. And if that was, your you, you, you find someone online you're gonna form, uh, sorry, have a first date with, and in between that meeting them online and the first date, you leave them that phone message, I'm guessing you're gonna be sitting alone at whatever restaurant or venue you have just scheduled that first date for. And if you don't look at these things this way, of how it would be applied in a personal relationship, then you're crazy. So, so take a step back again. So where did this fit into my, what I've created this building a relationship, building trust, knowing that you're going to experience something different than you experienced at the clinic that did it with that type of phone call. So we stepped back and said, what is this really about? And I, I said, well, the first contact and the benefits callback are all done by someone in a separate office. So your office coordinator is not doing that. So I looked at that and went, well, we had a relationship here. We now have to transfer the relationship into the office. So there's a new face, a new voice, a new name at the front desk and also your physical therapist. So I said, okay, let's set it up this way. Let's set it up as an introduction. So it flows more like this. My name's Jerry. I'm calling to see if you have any questions before your appointment with your physical therapist tomorrow at this time, at this place. At San Francisco Sport and Spine Physical Therapy, and again, I said my name's Jerry. I said I'm calling to see if you have any questions beforehand, and then the end of it is, please feel free to give me a call at this new phone number if you have any questions or concerns. Thank you very much, and you hang up. And so that flows a lot differently than that appointment reminder. I guarantee you that person's going to show up for their date. And by the way, we did not do it to increase our arrival rate. We did not do it to make sure people show up. Do people show up and has our arrival rate gone up? Yes. Yet, it's also gone up because of the steps before it. So I'm not fooling myself believing it's just this call. It's part of a system and I'm not willing to take it out to test it. So I believe that its greatest value is transferring the relationship. So I wouldn't take it out because then people would not walk in the door knowing, oh, hi, you're Jennifer, because Jennifer left the voicemail for you, right? So the value of this is people walk in the door and they've heard Jennifer on the phone. So now they get to when Jennifer says, hello, Mr. Smith, they get to go either consciously, subconsciously, out loud or whatever. They say, oh, that's Jennifer. I met her on the phone yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's really that's really a good point, because it's again, at the end of the day, it's about building personal relationships, right? It's about not only with the us as the practitioner, with our patients, but with the patients or potential patients with your clinic or your brand as a whole. So we're trying to build that customer for life. We talked about before, right? Not just that, not just as an interact. We just don't want an interactional type relationship. We're going to have those, but we want as many of those to become more of a lifetime relationship. And I think about it like I don't go into the bank very much, but when I do go into the bank, I feel like I'm always talking to a new business, never the same person there, right? And so. I never thought about it much until you just mentioned that, but how how does that make me feel? Do I have any problems switching banks? I have no problem changing banks. I, I can't, I don't know what one does better for me from another one, but if I have a good relationship with Mary and Mary has taken care of me and done great for me and I go and talk to her on a regular basis when I go in there, even if it's just little transactional things now, it's like breaking up with a person not just a large corporation and so get caught getting that human connection so early on and forming that relationship so early on I think really speaks volumes and like you said it's now it's one of those things that sometimes is hard to measure you can look at that with the arrival rate and the no-show and cancellation rates all as byproducts but it kind of speaks to that whole that whole process so how is there? I know you didn't want to talk about like any any particular script, but what in particular makes it so much different
1: than the reminder call? Like, what have you found that really is the okay. distinction? So, so, so the f- very first words out of your mouth, or not, you have an appointment tomorrow. The very first words out of your mouth are, "Hi, my name is Jerry. I'm calling to see if you have any questions or concerns before your appointment tomorrow, right?" And And, and, and it starts there. And so the effect, you know, the, the effect that begins there to say, you know, questions, concerns without just going into the rote script of you have an appointment, blah, 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 blah. Right. And regardless, you may say, hey, I need appointment reminder calls or I need emails. They still need to start that way to your point it's building a relationship started on the first phone call it started with the call benefit callback you need to continue to reassure this person they have not even stepped foot in your clinic yet and if you don't believe i've got the data to prove that what you do before they even step foot in your clinic will increase your clinic business numbers no show cancel rate arrival rate um and I would say, completed plans of care. Completed plans of care are not built around a physical therapist. You give me any setting, and I can I can work with a team from top to bottom to increase the percentage of completed plans of care by not working with the physical therapist, by working only with the front office, and then bringing the physical therapist in at the end to say, these are all the steps occurring before the patient gets to you. This is what's being promised. This is what needs to be delivered on. This is what you have to do. And by that, I'm talking about asking the person to of their fucking goals. I'm not talking about dictating treatment. I'm not talking about giving the patient whatever they fucking want that everybody thinks I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a conversation and knowing what was promised and what was promised is your physical therapist is going to listen to you. What was promised is your physical therapist is going to ask you your goals. What was promised is your physical therapist is going to build a plan of care around you and your goals that has nothing to do with choosing delivery method that has nothing to do with choosing treatment that has everything to do with you and does nothing to take Take the expertise level away from the physical therapist so I need people um, I've been up two hours now people we started this two hours ago and I'm getting grumpy we need people to understand that the success of the patient with the physical therapist starts before the patient walks in the door of your clinic and then continues when the physical therapist continues to build a relationship and build trust and by the way I've just been married 24 years. A relationship and trust are not built overnight. And I have fucked it up in the past and I have had to start over again to build trust in this relationship. Okay. And it continues every day. And so this belief that the patient is going to walk in the room and meet you and immediately trust you is so far fetched. And you believe it subconsciously. Anybody listening to this believes it. I still do to this day. And I have to step back and go, wait, what has to occur? Well, I'm the expert. Well, I know the evidence. Well, you need this and you didn't ask them what they care about, do you have kids you have to get up an hour early to take to daycare and you don't believe this has anything to do and you'll write blog after blog after blog about evidence-based medicine. No, the welcome call, I will say, serves the purpose of a completed plan of care more so than just focusing on the evaluation. I'm done, but I'm not done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to with that. I don't people, <laughs> people just need to understand i i gotta get people to understand and i'm too passionate to let it go and go well i don't care you have to understand that yes your question about evidence based medicine is out of context it's always out of context so we have to build out and say no i'm just asking about if this is important it doesn't fucking matter just as you asked it everything needs context and the context of their whole experience and the context of where they came from is very very important and so you wanting to talk about well what happens when a patient just asks for this by the way the way the first phone call went to said, it's important. It's about you. What's important to you. And then if you get into the room with the PT and they say, well, okay, yeah, this is what we have to do. This is how we're going to do it. And you never ask about past experience or anything. And you wonder why that patient self-discharge. It had nothing to do whether they believed in evidence-based medicine or not. It had everything to do in the way you didn't acknowledge their past experience, that you didn't acknowledge the fact that they got up an hour early or just to come see you. Okay, so all that is very important. And yes, your evidence based discussion is always out of context without all that. Go to the pinned go to my pinned tweet. And by the way, when you look at my pinned tweet, look at the outer circle that's not very visible until you click on it. That outer circle is the most important circle because everything fits inside of it. And if that outer circle is not addressed, everything inside of it ceases to exist. And something as crazy as a welcome call and approaching it this way and having script and holding your staff accountable will help your pts to drive better outcomes to solve a bigger problem of getting people better with low back pain it will as part of an experience is it the only touch point no is it the only thing no will it improve the experience and the outcome yes i'm really done
0: I, th- I think the name welcome call is so great though because it really it sets the tone I think for the interaction right with not only the, the two people on the phone but also with the the rest of the relationship that is going to go through with the clinic especially if everybody understands that as a welcome call because like welcoming you into being, into the family welcome to our community we're kind of in this together right and I, I think that's a nice change and I think it's gonna it's You know, kind of going with um, going back to when we talked about books with uh, Purple uh, Goldfish with Stan Phelps, how do you stand out a little bit differently? Or Purple purple Cow with Seth Godin, what makes you stand out? This makes you stand out by having this conversation in this manner with that patient or prospective patient because it's going to be different than. Other healthcare providers and probably other physical therapists, right? And so, right away, that's gonna help you stand out a little bit. And even if they have, have had, have not had any experience with physical therapy prior to contacting your clinic, they don't really know what to expect, right? We've talked about this before that one of the problems with physical therapy is, uh, is sort of brand and marketing, and that people don't always know what they're buying. And so, but, uh, when you present it in this manner, in terms of putting it in terms that customers can understand, showing some genuine concern uh, for them and their well-being and their their uh, what the experiences that, that they're going to be going through, I think that really changes it a little bit. Maybe even sort of lowers some defenses that they might have or some apprehension that they might have uh, going forward and proceeding um, with with the process.
1: I, yeah, all that is dead on, and you back to your Stan Phelps book. Yeah, you know, asking someone what you can do for them before you just tell them right is is a little step. Um, I'm looking at some of my notes from um I want to read a couple things. Uh, Brian Solis is a great experienced guy. I forget the name of his book, but I have notes from his book. Brian Solis is the author. It says, what if you could design each moment? So this is what we're talking about right now is a moment. What if you could design each moment to build upon the previous? So I've gone, I've, I've told you, and by the way, we did this before I read this. And again, I don't claim to know all this shit. It's just kind of what we were forced into doing or, or, or having to close. I'm not going to lie to you. So it's nice to read these things and go, yeah, okay, cool. That's what we created. What if you could design each moment to build upon the previous and to match intentions and desired outcomes. Oh boy, what are we talking about here, right? Desired outcomes. Well, I wanna, you know, first is, I wanna know how much it's gonna cost me, and then I want an appointment Wednesday at 8.30, right? Those are desired outcomes along the way. Then they get with the physical therapist and they talk about why why the back pain is an issue. My desired outcome is I don't want pain in the morning. I wanna be back to the gym. And by the way, all these steps before is getting you in front of that physical therapist so they can have that conversation so that you believe that your intentions are aligned. Right. What if you could design each moment to build upon the previous one and to match intentions and desired outcomes? What if you could design what people think and share? Right, and so that that's that's back to what you just said. So these little things and this whole experience, and then at the end of it, they're like, huh, you know what? And then they share it was this this is a great office because they take care of you from the moment you first call until you're you're done, and the billing process was right. Well, that to me is. I just designed what people think and share, right? And that's what I needed to create. And there was one other one I wanted to read. I'm pretty sure this is Brian Solis again. Shared experiences become your brand and ultimately influence decisions to you or away from you. So again, we're back to, you know, that patient sitting across from their PT and saying, wow, this person didn't listen to me. Right. And that's going to become your brand. Well, they're smart, but people don't listen to me. Right. So this is the stuff I meditate on and reflect on and go, okay, how do we create that? And that, that connection. So let's go back to the point, the connection to what happened on the first phone call to what happened on the benefit callback is available to the staff doing the welcome call. So they know, by the way, if you've received your benefits or not already. So if you do pick up and you say, by the way, I didn't receive my benefits, then they can get you to the right place, right? So we're sharing that information. Between each step, so that if you are posed with a question or a situation, you are best prepared to help that customer reach their desired outcomes. I want to know my cost. Well, that's not my department. That's not what I do. Nobody will ever say that in my company. If they do, they'll be looking for a job within five minutes. And they don't. And I'm I'm half joking because they don't. Excuse me. I'm not joking. I'd fire them. not joking that they know what to do. And so they're going to get you to the right place. So the connections between each step and that welcome call. That is such a small, small, small time component and everything of this is huge because it's that next step to continue to build the relationship. So by the time that patient is sitting across from the physical therapist, they're so dialed in that you as the physical therapist cannot fail. Expectations have been set. Intentions are known. Desired outcomes are known. You cannot fail. As opposed to I got an appointment at 8.30, you're in network, great you show up, you sit across from the PT and then all the shit starts to fly I'm done and I think the the hard thing that I think the
0: biggest challenge or the biggest barrier to you know people adopting this as a regular practice is is because it's it's not easy, right? It's not black and white. It's not just you're going to follow a script or follow a menu and this is how you do it. These are the steps you take and everything just happens. It's going to have to be. You're going to have to test it. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to adapt it to how it works best in your own clinic with your own patient population in your own community. And you know we have you have. Great Great. Sort of. Again, these, this is the this is the broad view. These are the concepts, but you have to kind of get into the weeds a little bit and understand some of the psychology and play with it and practice it and fail a couple times probably with it before you really get it down and it takes more work and takes more effort but I can, I can tell you from experience now as really trying to apply these things the last couple of years it really is a, a difference maker and it makes a difference not only with um, you know, it, it makes a difference with you too right? as the as the, as the uh, practitioner like I just I have such a great time going to work and every day more so than I used to because of going in and, and understanding the vision would be positive relationships that are being built positive outcomes and positive attitudes, not only with the patients, but also with the staff as well. So it really has a, and I think you, Jerry, you said in a previous podcast, the focus on the patient drives the entire company culture. And, and, and that, that that just boils down to that one sentence, really, from from my, from
1: my point of view. So when we, I put a post on Twitter last week, I said, why do we define healthcare practices by payment source. Oh your in network, oh your out of network, oh your cash, oh your hybrid. And I pose a question to say what other industry silos categorizes their businesses by payer source? And by the way, that's not even payer source. That's not even a right fucking name because in-network people still have to pay premiums into a system, right? And then pay a copay. So so we have to get away from this mindset of in-network, out-of-network and just say, no, it's customer. It's the customer focus. The customer in my office is the customer that chose to see me. Oh, people don't have a choice. Some people don't have money. Some people do. I understand that it's a choice. It's still a choice. And when, and when 50% of the healthcare expenditure is waste and documented very well, that 1.5 million uh, trillion of 3 trillion is waste. So if, if I myself can start to build a network that drives the triple aim, and I start to do it one clinic, two clinics, 10 clinics, 30 clinics, 40 clinics, then I'm actually solving a bigger problem. And we can say, well, all those all those are in communities where people, you know, can afford to pay cash. You know what? I, I get that. Yet, We're solving a problem and we're starting to show that you can practice this way. And by the way, this customer experience needs to be put into place in, (laughs) by the way, in hospitals more than anything else, where they're seeing Medicaid patients, where they're seeing Medi-Cal patients, where they're seeing that. Do you think that experience does not need to change? That experience changing regardless of payer source will do more for healthcare than anything else. Right? Because then you start to tell this person who already comes in with a mindset of, I'm poor, I can't afford this shit, I'm on Medi Cal, what the fuck am I doing here? Right? Consciously, subconsciously, needs to be treated like the person walking in the door paying $150 a visit. Right? So, customer experience is not about a cash PT practice, it's not about an out of network practice. It's about a it's about healthcare and physical therapy, taking care of the patient, putting them at the center, regardless of payer source. And then magically, everything will flow out. And yes, I say magically, because I don't care what kind of setting you have, because then all of a sudden, when you're, when you're being paid at a level you should be paid, then you, it will allow you to then serve people at different levels now I set up payment plans. Now I will serve this part of my community who I know is underserved, like where I'm from in Napa. I could go to a lot of places and serve a community at $20 a visit because now I'm treating everybody the same regardless of cost. And it's bringing me in more and more customers from all levels. And the business is taking care of itself now, which means I can now deliver care at a, and now I can start to offer a reduced rate. If I'm in network getting seven $75 a visit, I will never be doing pro bono care. You can't afford to, because I would argue you're probably already taking a loss. So you set up a patient experience, you start to give people a choice to pay you more to get the same level of service. And now you are able to grow your business and have what is called a profit, which is not a bad word, which can then finance a program for underserved people. Okay. Maybe other people don't want it to flow that way. Maybe they want the underserved to be the only ones treated. I get that. We can set up a different model for that, but the patient experience will be exactly the same. The business model will be run differently. The patient experience will be run exactly the same. They will get a welcome call because by the way, I... In all parts of California, all different levels of people, everybody has a cell phone. And if they don't have a cell phone, they have a phone at home. And by the way, when I call you and call you by your name and say, call me if you have any questions or concerns, we'll see you tomorrow. And you've never been treated that way. And you need to, and you're committing to pay $20 this week, $20 that could go to fucking buy food and put on your table, now you're feeling better about your decision. And now you're going to get to the right place and get your back pain treated properly. And you're going to be treated well, and you're going to be happy with your decision. And you're going to, you know, you're going to be able to get back to work. You're going to be able to deliver to your family. So this is not an in-network, out-of-network, cash PT Issue here. This is a healthcare issue that everybody needs to be treated the same. So the patient experience, again, I would argue, needs to be addressed in the larger corporate settings more so than my practice, right? And by the way, the larger corporate setting is doing indigent care. They're doing ten dollar copays, and you treat everybody like shit, and you wonder why everybody's unhealthy. I don't know. That's just me. It's not a fucking. It's not a research paper, but. I'm going to, you know, we can go correlation causation.
0: Well, I think I have succeeded in that. I this back around full circle when I first approached you with some ideas. And my overarching theme with that was to bring the Jerry from the courses and bring that to the podcast. And I think we did that. So my mission is accomplished. <laughs>
1: that's awesome that we started this whole thing with me going oh it's so great andrew came to me with these ideas now aren't you also andrew came to me but that that that's what's important and and again i i said it the evidence-based medicine context of looking at this without this experience without this person and you know todd davenport always challenges me on this and he's in a good way and he he's caused me, made me not change my thoughts but he's made me look at how this all fits into the whole, and it fits into the whole. and every time i get pushback from him and todd knows and he just did it this week but not everybody has cash to pay and i say i understand and i understand my argument in the past was more down that route what i'm saying is this is regardless of payer source so i need everybody to understand that this is not a cash pt podcast This is not an out-of-network podcast. You will hear me speaking about how to go out of network. And you will hear me talk about how to get people in your community to part with their hard-earned dollars to come see you for physical therapy. And I know all communities cannot do that. The underlying theme of all those will always be the patient experience. All right? You've chosen to set up your practice wherever. And now I will also challenge people to think about this because the best conversation I've ever had about telehealth and this patient experience and everything was with a student whom I did not know was a student at the time. I'm having a conversation with someone, a very intelligent conversation from someone from rural Kentucky. These are people that cannot afford my practice and they can't afford a lot of things. And she laid out this model based on what I had talked about. And maybe it was her that really spurred the conversation forward to get me to believe, yes, this is not a cash PT discussion. And she explained to me her thoughts on my model and how, yes, it did fit. Now she brought in her own parts of it and she weaved in these other parts and it was brilliant because she said, "Yes, this model works, and it works in rural Kentucky, and this is why." So, um, yeah, I'll keep going. We're not even going into customer arrival now, dude, because this. I, I, the, the good thing about this is people understand how the welcome, how the initial contact, or my golden moment, the benefit callback, and the welcome call all tied together, are connected, and how this serves such a huge purpose before that person with low back pain even walks into the office. So I think this is a good place to stop because now I just need more coffee.
0: No, I, I think that sounds good. And you no, know, just to echo what you just said and to, to confirm, I don't work in a cash PT practice. I work in a private practice that is fully uh, in network with uh, insurance providers, and I am taking this your model essentially, and trying to apply that fully into into uh, our business model. Because my my thought process was is that if this works in a out of network model and a cash PT model, it should work even better in a. In network models, yeah, where, where we're not dictating the price, we're you know we're, it's more the insurance is dictating the price, but we can still make the customer experience so much better, and that will still separate us from the competition. Where now we're not we're not competing on price, we're
1: competing on true value and true experience. Andrew just freaking nailed it, and if you guys heard my talk at PPS, if you've heard the conversation, being in network is more risky today. Than being out of network. And if you didn't hear my target PPS, reach out to me. We'll follow up on this. Being in network is more risky. And Andrew just nailed it. And what I want you to do, and Andrew's going to, again, say this again, after I'm done, I want you to look up principal agent. I think it's just principal agent problem or principal agent issue on Wikipedia. Principal agent is that third party payer. And what else nobody else wants to acknowledge is the mindset and the mind shift that comes when the money for the total cost is not coming out of your pocket. And Andrew just nailed it. So look that up and read about that and think about how that affects when everybody says we have to fight to no copay, no copay increases. And I'm like, That does nothing to get people to value what we do. Okay. And just read the principal agent. They're the experts, not me, but I've always had this thought process and I still want to do a study and, you know, in the same practice, you know, split up the people and they've randomly controlled themselves because they're all going to be entered into the system. Exactly the same $20 copay, $150 payment. Let's run them through for six months. Let's run all these thousands of people through. And then let's look at their outcomes. So number of visits and outcomes at the end of um, a year. And let's see. I have my thoughts. I think you all know my bias. I'm biased. I know it. I have my thoughts, but that's how research comes about. I have a question. I want to disprove it. Okay. That's research. So... Um, I believe because nobody's ever done this. Everybody looks at outcomes based on one group of people, right? Paying $20 or paying $150. Let's split them up. Um, So Andrew, again, will you please make that point again about how you see it delivered in your clinic? Yeah, and
0: just that we're an insurance-based clinic, and so we're not competing on price with anybody else because the price is dictated by the insurance company. So when someone comes to our office or chooses to come to us, we want to make it done on value and the patient experience. We want to separate ourselves from our competition by delivering a much better patient experience. So taking the model that you're using in out-of-network clinics or that other people are using in their cash-based clinics and having success with it, my thought was it should be even more successful when price becomes less of an issue and they're still getting the high-value, high-quality patient experience that they can get um, from a healthcare provider that other people are still not
1: providing. The highest no-show cancel rates I find in network clinics because the in-network clinic does not believe they have to focus on this for the reasons, the opposite reasons you just said. So arrival rate and no-show cancel rates I see are highest in in in-network clinics. In every in-network clinic, I ask, do you ask how people found you? Yeah. Did you ask why they chose you? Rarely. Because the one question nobody wants to ask is, did you just choose us because we're in network? Right. And it's a yeah. legitimate question. I'm not I'm, 100%. not, I'm not downplaying your PTs. I'm not downplaying anything else you're doing. But if you're not asking people, did you choose us solely? Well, my doctor sent me over. By the way, that's not why they chose you. They called you for that. Why did they schedule with you? And And I'm I'm okay okay with that too. Well, I'm okay with it if you measure it. When I sit in a room full of people who tell me, well, that's not going to work for me, Jerry, because I'm in network. I start with, do you ask people why they called you? No. Do you ask people why they schedule with you? No. Did you take a survey at the end and ask them, knowing what you know now, would you have paid more for the service? No. I say, so you have no fucking idea? Then. So you're basing, you're basing everything, you know, on, you know, on questions you asked and you didn't ask the right questions. And you and I both know sitting in an evaluation, Jeffrey Maitland, God bless him. He was the one who taught us all this. If you ask the patient the right question, they will tell you what's wrong with them. So it's back on you. It's not on your patient. Oh yeah. These doctors send all these patients to me. Why? Because we do great care. Are you in network with every one of them? Yeah. Right, and I think I, I don't look at it necessarily as a bad thing that they someone shows us because we're in network. Because part of it is maybe they don't know any better. If you're measuring, if you're measuring, right, it. right, that that that's the point of this, right? And we're back to evidence-based medicine, right? And all this stuff. Oh, I did all this. I did all these techniques, and it's like, well, what's your objective measures, right? What would what you? What, right. What's your? ultimate goal and you don't have any it's like so you're not measuring this stuff but you're telling me it's working because why because the patient keeps coming back probably not the right measurement right so are we measuring the right thing that's all i'm not saying any of it's bad i'm saying start to measure the right things you can be in network here we go again you can be in network Again, you have a great product. You have a great staff. You're delivering great care. Measure the right things about why people are choosing you and then don't tell other people they can't succeed. I'm done. You can talk. You still there? Did you freeze up? You froze up on me. Oh, there you go. You're back. Cool. I'm still there. I froze for a second. Yeah. So. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's just ask the right questions of, of of our customers. Dude, you know, every time I get a survey from anything I do, I fill it out. As long as it's I've deleted some and gone back and went, I tried to complete your survey. It was too long. You guys asked me redundant questions. But I will always open that email because I owe that to them so that they can better my experience. I owe it to them. So, um, but yeah, Audi. Oh my God. I have an Audi. They, they ask you, they ask you, so did you get service? And you say no. And then they'll ask like three service questions. I'm like, what part of no didn't you understand? <laughs> so, um, but otherwise I fill all those out, man. I fill them all out. Every survey I get from anything. Oh, you know, do you mind at the end of this phone call, do you mind completing a survey? No, I don't send me through. I love being the person in Disneyland. Everybody else looks down. I'm looking, making direct eye contact with that person with the iPad. I'm like, please let me be in. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I want to hear what Disneyland's asking people. Too. So That's good. That's good. So on on that Disneyland World's happiest place note, I think we'll end this discussion. But I, I think it, th- this was really good, and and we need to have these rants. Uh, it's not a rant. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall into that. We need to have these discussions like this about every ninth or tenth episode because people need to understand. You heard it at the beginning, and then you hear us talking and talking, and you get lulled into this false sense of security again about what it's about. Oh And I need to remind you what it's about. And we talked about this is about population health. This is about people who can't afford care. This is about people who can't afford care. So the one common theme here is the patient. Put them at the center and we will all succeed. Put them at the center and start to solve a big problem. And you will actually solve a problem for more people. Like I said, start to run your business properly. Now you can start to run a pro bono program. Now you can start to serve people in your community that you, the one person in the community thought you couldn't do because you have to pay your bills every month, right? But now you can serve these people, right? What time That's is it good. Midnight? Is it midnight yet? What time is it? It's, it's almost it. noon my time. Yeah, <laughs> sun's coming up. All right, this is awesome. You got any last thoughts? No, I didn't. That was great. Just really kind of
0: just, I think going off a little bit was great because it kind of just, it, it, again, going back to my thought was, demonstrating the passion, hearing the passion, having that come through, that was sort of my overall a uh, vision for how I thought uh, when I when I first brought to the the ideas that I had, uh, and then uh, you did not disappoint. This
1: this one's going to go be great to go back and listen to. You know what's funny? I noticed recently on iTunes, I had some of the episodes that had the um, E for explicit drop. So um, one of my personal goals is to make sure that there's an E next to every episode from here, <laughs> from here until the end of time. So I think. Today's episode might earn some ease for some past episodes Maybe so. I don't see that being a problem in the future. Yes. So, um, and the other thing I'm really looking forward to, Andrew, is your Periscope. How to bring this into your clinic. That's going to be a great Periscope. That will be good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I think that draws this to a close. And again, you know, we try to keep these usually around 30 minutes. This one about 45. There are times when uh, they need to be a little bit longer. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Healthcare Disruption. and uh, thank you again Andrew and uh, we look forward to you all uh, going to iTunes, leaving us a review listening to all the episodes tell your friends and stay involved and feel free to reach out I've had people reaching out to me that I, I've i never had an interaction with and I'm always happy to have people reach out to me especially on Twitter and um, I'll leave some information in the show notes of other places to find me so um, or connect with me but Andrew is on Twitter at at a Rothschild PT and I'm at Jerry underscore Durham PT. So reach out to us on Twitter. uh, Follow us there and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Disruption Disruption. powered by UpDog
0: Media. Join in the conversation. Tweet at UpDog Media
1: at Jerry underscore Durham and at a Rothschild with us, head over um, to abdulmedia.com.